Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This one is season one. We are on to episode eight, and we're calling this one the Law of Averages. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. We are now live from 5.30 to 10. 5.30 to 10, we've added an extra hour. In that first 30 minutes, 5 to 5.30, you get a little bit more of me talking both about the Cubs and all of our local teams. And as always, I am joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, good afternoon. How are you? Doing great, Dustin. You can follow me at Crawley's Cubs on Twitter, and you can follow us at FlyTheW670 on Twitter and Instagram. And if you add a gmail.com, you can email us as well. So when we got together last, Crawley, it was right in the middle of the Cubs game against the Padres, I believe, right? And they went on to lose that game. So the Cubs were on a 10 game losing streak as they started the series with Atlanta who came in with a 14 game winning streak. So, so something had to give, and this has happened in forever where you had two teams facing off with one double digit winning streak, one double digit losing streak. They get together on Friday afternoon. Baseball doesn't get any better. Keegan Thompson was throwing for the Cubs. Charlie Morton was pitching for the Braves. And um, let's talk it through Crowley. How did this one go down? That law of averages, right? Absolutely crazy. Keegan Thompson, who had struggled previously against Baltimore and New York, pitched a gem, his best game of the season. And Charlie Morton pitched well as well, you know, as uh, as well. So it was a, a old-fashioned pitcher's duel. There's only five hits total between the two teams. So Keegan, just just seeing him go, he went six innings, which is which was a career high. He gave up two hits, two walks, and nine strikeouts, also a career high. So great job by Keegan, what you really wanted to see. And uh, Charlie Morton kept the hitters off balance. He still got that fastball and that Uncle Charlie curveball. Uh, he went seven innings, three hits, and nine Ks. So it was a close one. It was a close game. And in the bottom of the eighth, there, there's no run scored. VR walks. A sack bunch by Andrelton Simmons moves him to second. And then he steals third. Morell hits a sack fly, close play at the plate, and the Cubs lead one nothing. But, of course, it's not a Cubs game without drama. So in the ninth <laughs> inning, David Robertson comes out. He strikes out Austin Riley. He walks Matt Olson. He hits Travis Darnot uh, with the pitch. Uh, Marcelo Zuna flies out. He walks Duvall to load the bases with two outs. Cub fans are seeing Black Cats and Billy Goats. 
Orlando Arcia, who used to torch the Cubs when he was with Milwaukee, grounds out. The losing streak is over. And according to Elias, it was the second time in the last 30 seasons that a team snapped a double-digit losing streak against a double-digit winning streak. So that was a fun one, Dustin, if you got that one. Yeah, I was uh, all kinds of errands, and the honeydew list was super long heading into Father's Day weekend, believe it or not. And I was in the car or doing yard work or driving people other places for the entire game. And I will tell you, with that losing streak happening and the, the gem, as you mentioned, that Keegan Thompson was throwing, I am not a fan of one nothing baseball. I want 8-5. I want 10-7. I want 12-9. That, that's what I want, personally. I, I want the ball in play. I, I want action. But because of what was on the line for the Cubs, and I so wanted them to, to break that streak, and the gem that Keegan Thompson you know, pitched well enough to keep the Cubs in it, it held my interest the entire time. And we both have, but I will say I have poked fun, been more critical of Villar than almost anybody. Um, Mr. Needed dental work after getting hit in the face with rubber bands. And that was like the Villar game. He, that was his moment. So him stealing third was spectacular. Of course, Morell is involved some way, shape or form hits the ball far enough, just far enough. And the Cubs scored and it was electric for a pop fly sack fly eighth inning the the sound coming through my odyssey app into my phone and that was in my pocket it, it was just awesome i mean the fans were still jacked up that place was packed it was rocking and then robertson it's like oh my goodness gracious but can you blame him crawley they had lost 10 in a row I mean, when was the last time Robertson threw a ball in a live game? And now all of a sudden he's got the weight of the world on him. He's throwing against the defending world champs and it, it showed. And this might be the one guy that the Cubs could get, I think, the most for later on as the trade, trade deadline approaches. Because if somebody's missing a closer, Robertson would be a guy that I would be okay handing a ball to in a playoff type situation. Absolutely. He has the experience and you know, that, that always brings you a pretty good return, a closer, because for most teams, if that's all they're missing, that missing piece, similar to the Cubs in 16, when they traded for a role, this Chapman uh, gave up Glabar Torres. I mean, you're, when you're that close, you have to put your chips all in. So Robertson's a great trade piece. Uh, on, on a sadder note here, Frank Schwindel had to leave the game with the lower back injury that was bothering him in spring training. And so the next day, uh, he was put on the 10 day IL and Alfonso Rivas was called back up. Yeah. I always like to see Frank, but the one thing that we won't see while Frank's getting that back, right. Is we won't see him pitching. I've seen enough of Frank Schwindel pitching for uh, a lifetime. Thank you. Very much. All right. Cubs are now on a one game winning streak. The Braves are on a one game losing streak. We get game two. And what happened in this one, Crowley? Well, we had Justin Steele versus Kyle Wright. And we were talking that Justin Steele was just looking fantastic uh, in the games against the Cardinals. And then later on against the Padres, uh, he was looking really good. And, and the Cubs offense really came alive. Uh, Morrell with the leadoff single Wilson singles. It moves Morrell to third. Ortega called out on strikes, half strikes out, swinging, but in an important play, Wilson steals second. And what's funny about that is the Contreras brothers, Wilson versus William, are starting against each other. So Wilson steals on his brother. That proves to be a very important play because Jonathan VR, another big game, he hits a single with two outs. The Cubs are up to nothing. Uh, in the bottom of the second with one out, Rebus and Simmons single. Morell's called out on strikes and with two out. Uh, Contreras singles and the Cubs are up three, nothing. And then in the bottom of the third Hap hits a leadoff single VR strikes out Horner flies out Hayward doubles. The Cubs lead four, nothing all four runs coming with two outs. So for me, Dustin, this was exciting because we were, we've been lamenting, especially during the losing streak, all the runners left in scoring position. And it's so much harder to do that with two outs. It was exciting to see the Cubs get some hits in critical times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they don't give up. And that's the one thing we're talking about reasons why you should still be going to Wrigley, watching on the marquee network, listening to them on 670, the score of the radio home of the Chicago Cubs and 
you know, downloading, subscribing, liking this podcast. It, it's for reasons like that. These guys might not have the most talent in the world, but they are giving everything they have. And we, we're seeing the young pitchers, the guys that could be part of the next, and I don't want to say the next championship team, but maybe the next Cubs good team, maybe the next Cubs team that maybe if everything goes right next year could be the second wild card. I'm still still holding out hope that that's a possibility. So there are still some positive things. And how much fun would it be to play against your brother? And, and then it's funny though, like Wilson like kind of rubbed it in his face, right? By stealing the base. Oh yeah. And competitive juices were still, were still flowing. And you wonder like, did, was that something Wilson talked to Ross about? Hey coach, listen, skip. <laughs> if I get on, I need the green light. Like I want, I want to steal. I want to try to steal against my brother. And I want to give him the opportunity to potentially throw me out. That, that was good. That's good. That's good for the game. That's good for baseball. Those are the fun things that will keep people tuned in and listening. Absolutely. And you know, like you said, with these learning pains, Justin Steele looked pretty good, but then in the fifth inning, he struggled. Duvall hits a home run. Uh, he strikes out Arcia, but gives up a single to Michael Harris and then back-to-back -back walks. That's what kills you against Acuna and Swanson. So the bases were loaded with one out. Riley hits a sack fly to make it four to two, but luckily Ozuna flied out to end the inning. And so that's important because he did get out of that rough inning. It could have been way worse. And the Cubs are able to add some insurance runs. Morrell grounds into a double play to make it five to two. And then Ortega had a solo home run to make it six to two. So the Cubs had their chance to fly the W. So that was a good game as well. I loved it. Two days in a row. Two, if you would have told me like that they were going to win two out of three, we're going to get to game three. And I just, you know, killed the lead. But I'm sure if you're listening, you knew that the Cubs did not complete the sweep. I, I would have been. Oh my goodness. And I was texting with Mully after that win. He's like, Hey bro, your team, look at them. And I'm like, Hey, like two out of three ain't bad. He's like, forget two out of three, go for the sweep. So I'm sure I'm not the only greedy Cubs fan out there that was hoping for a, a father's day win for the Cubs and getting to fly the W three days in a row. But then we had Sunday afternoon um, game three, Kyle Hendricks was out there for the Cubs and there was a lot of us. And I will say I was right there wondering out loud why in the world Kyle Hendricks wasn't given the opportunity when he had a five, nothing lead, why he was pulled. And we talked about in the last podcast where the pitching coach, Tommy Hadovy, who joins the Mully and Haw show on Wednesdays talked about the fact that, Hey, he was back. He hadn't pitched since June 1st. We didn't have an infinite number of pitches and the bullpen just let them down that day. So how did, uh, how did game three play out Crowley and how did uh, Kyle Hendricks look? Uh, not so great. Unfortunately, if you look at Kyle Hendricks, and this happens to a lot of pitchers, but you can get to him in the first inning. And sure enough, that's what happens. In the top of the first with two outs and two on, he gives up a home run to Travis Darno, and the Cubs trail 3 nothing. He settles down, looks good innings two through four, but then in the fifth, just kind of falls apart. He gave up a home run to Michael Harris, RBI doubles to Austin Riley and Matt Olson. And he's pulled. So his line goes 4.1 innings, eight hits, six runs, one walk, six Ks, two home runs. So, you know, the only good that really came out of the game because the offense didn't do much against Ian Anderson was that Adrian Sampson, who actually was optioned down to Iowa, just a numbers game, but he went 4.2 innings. He gave up one hit and strike, struck out five. So, again, one of those games where somebody comes out of the bullpen and saves the arms from getting taxed. Yeah, that's definitely something they did. They, they, those two young guys did a great job of, of, of saving the bullpen earlier in the week. I just wonder, like, do you think Kyle Hendricks has got something in between the ears right now? Do you think that the sell-off is, is finally bothering him, that we're seeing something? I mean, he has always been cool as a cucumber, Crowley, and it just seems like the the the, the structure underneath him, like his legs have given out something. Like, it feels like the bottom has just fallen out of Kyle Hendricks and he just kind of got old or lost it overnight. Well, I don't know about overnight because when you take a look here, Hendricks has surrendered six plus runs in an outing 11 times since the beginning of the 2021 season. That's the second most such outings in the majors, right? From 2014 to 2020, he gave up six plus runs in a start only eight times. So in just two seasons, he's done it 11 times when in the previous six, 
He only did it eight times. So he's posted an 8-10 ERA in his last five starts. So something is I, – I, I wish I could put my finger on it. I, I, I saw this, again, in 2021, looked not good. I went out to spring training this year, and he was the one guy that I came back, and I was really ner- – I said he still does something. I don't know what it is. And he's always been a guy that always – pitched very cerebrally. And that's why you see a lot of the comparisons to Greg Maddox of not having a 99 mile per hour fastball or the, the crazy slider that wipes you out. He's just a guy that moves the ball. Well, hits his spots, but when he can't hit his spots, that's when you got to go in. And, and that, that's really hard for a guy like Kyle Hendricks. that doesn't have a blow you away kind of stuff. So I don't know if this is what, you know, how it kind of starts to kind of end, but I'm definitely nervous. They gave him that time off to kind of rest his shoulder a little bit. I guess his shoulder was kind of giving him a little bit of problems. They interviewed him after the game. He seems confident that he you know, knows that what he has to do, which is command the fastball. But I'm just telling you, Dustin, every time Hendricks starts a game, all I do that first inning is light candles and pray that he gets through it unscathed. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one. It is episode eight. We are calling this one the law of averages and something we promised you from the very first day of this podcast was looking at the youth, the up and comers, if you will. So right now we are fortunate enough to have recorded an interview with the Smokies play-by-play man, Mick Gillespie. And here's that segment right now. Next up on the Fly the W podcast, I am joined by the play-by-play voice of the Cubs AA affiliate Tennessee Smokies, Mick Gillespie. How are you, Mick? Hey, I'm great. How about you? Uh, we're doing we're doing great. You know, the Cubs are uh, looking to sweep the Braves, so that's a nice turnaround from a 10-game losing streak. Yeah, I know. How, how crazy is it? 23 years since a team that had lost 10 or more games, beat a team that had won 10 or more games to end a losing streak, right? So that happened on Friday. And, and you go back, and I mean, it's like 23 years ago, the Phillies and the, uh, well, the Phillies and the Brewers, I think. And then now this happens with the Cubs. It's kind of surprising just because of how good Atlanta has been playing. But you know what? The Cubs, um, they're tough to beat at Wrigley. And you know what? They, they're going to win the series. And who knows? Maybe they sweep the Braves. Now, the uh, right now the Tennessee Smokies are in second place, correct, with a thirty-two and thirty record behind uh, Rocket City. So it seems like the season's been going pretty well. Yeah, we're out of it in the first half now. We, we've lost uh, five straight, no six straight. So it's just kind of bad timing. Lost some extra inning games. Uh, the, the you know the organization promoted some of our best players to AAA Iowa. And so it's, it's definitely hurt the team, but it's a good team. Uh, Michael Ryan is the manager of the club, former twin, and not to play for some other teams, but great guy. Great, great manager. Fun to be around. Um, a breath of fresh air. And so um, it's been a really good season. And we've seen some prospects. You know, the, the Cubs system is definitely a lot stronger now than it was uh, a couple years ago. And uh, hopefully the second half for the team, will look like the season did up until six games ago. Now, question for you. You were there. One of the big bright spots for the Chicago Cubs this season has been Christopher Morrell. And, you know, he was tearing it up for the Smokies, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's in Chicago, skips AAA entirely. Uh, What did you see when he was down there? I couldn't figure out if he was going to be Alfonso Soriano or Junior Lake. You know, like I kind of saw this guy last year, who had this amazing ability, great body, could hit for power, um, but mentally just wasn't very sharp as far as understanding the rules of the game. He'd get thrown out stealing in the wrong spots. You need to be down a run in the ninth with two outs, and he's getting thrown out at second. I mean, I don't know if that happened, but it would be stuff like that, you know, like where you're going, what's going on? It'd be at third, though. It wouldn't even be at second, you know. Um, a lot of times I felt like he was just – you know, kind of uh, mentally not ready to, to, to be in double A last year. And I was curious to see, you know, how that would translate this year. And honestly, from the very beginning of the season, he just seemed a lot more mature. Uh, they, the, the Cubs were trying to get him to just slow down a little bit and be, you know, play the game a little bit slower because he does play at such a high rate of speed. You know, I mean, like he, he's just a, a really athletic guy. And, um, 
and then all of a sudden we're, we're in Birmingham and he's playing center field. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I haven't seen that many mess ups. Uh, the, the, the boneheaded, you know, mental mistakes. And I'm now I'm seeing this guy make great plays in the outfield. He's getting better every game. He's more locked in. Like last year, he'd be in the outfield and someone would hit a line drive. And he, I don't know what he was doing, but it, he would n- not pay attention and the ball would go over his head and it, and it would be like an extra base hit, you know. So he, he just started to figure all of that stuff out. He played a great center field in, in that series against Birmingham. And then he was hitting and he was hitting with power. Uh, at the beginning of the season, he didn't hit with much power, but he was having good at bats. You know, he wasn't getting himself out. He was putting the ball in play. He was getting hits. And then he goes to the big leagues. And if if I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't think he would stay up there that long. But you know what? He has uh, exceeded expectations. And I think the biggest thing that has helped him has just been having a mentor who speaks Spanish, who he can look up to, and Wilson Contreras, and who's not afraid to say, hey, man, we don't steal in that spot or you've got to be in this position or uh, what was it? The game that they ended the the losing streak, you know, Willie says, Hey, don't swing at the stuff low, look for something high and just get it in the air. All you're trying to do is get the guy in from third. The thing about Morrell is that he's a great athlete and he's good enough to do that. And so um, it's been wonderful. And, and then they, on the other side of things, personally, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Oh. Uh, I've, I've never <laughs> seen a guy hug more than anyone else. I mean, he's, he hugs everybody, your team, their team, the fans, you know. Uh, he's just so happy to be around the game. Uh, he's a lovable guy, and I hope this continues. Yeah, he still he uh, he dabs the umpires. I mean, it's just crazy. He's just <laughs> such a fun guy, and, and the smile, and the, what is it, 22-game on, uh, on base streak. I mean, he's just – you know, in a tough year, sometimes you look for some of these uh, good stories. Now, you you do have a, a good team down in Tennessee. The depth in the system is starting to really show. Uh, and the pitching that you guys have is very interesting. You have Burl Calloway, who was the Cubs' second-round pick at 2020. How's this season been looking so far? Uh, he's been up and down. You know, he's got good stuff. I, I think the biggest problem that we've seen with a lot of the pitchers that the Smokies have is finding consistency throwing strikes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, and that includes him. You, you know, like you, you can't get to the big leagues if you don't throw strikes and no matter how good your stuff is. And, you know, there's been a lot of walks um, during this losing streak. And, um, you know, the, the game looks the same at every level. You know, you throw strikes, you put the ball in play, and then you make the plays and get them out, right? And so, um, you know, I'd say that for any of these guys – that the Cubs have throwing strikes, it starts there. And and that's been a difficult challenge for a lot of the pitchers that we've had on the team here lately. Anderson, we saw Anderson Espinosa for a little bit, which was interesting. We got him uh, in the, from San Diego in the Jake Marisnik deal last year. Uh, he had a, he's had a really interesting path to uh, the major league, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, he missed a lot of time with uh, two Tommy John surgeries. And then, of course, uh, 2020, we didn't have a season uh, another guy that has trouble throwing strikes and he's on the 40 man roster. And I think that's why you saw him, you know, and I think that he's one of those guys that if he doesn't throw more strikes, the Cubs are going to have to make a decision on, you know, him or somebody else, because they're at a season right now where they need people that can come up and help, uh, immediately. So, uh, I was glad to see he got an opportunity in the major leagues and he actually pitched better there than he has for the Smokies. So, um, you know, for him, it's consistency and throwing strikes. He, he made his start a couple of days ago and didn't get out of the second inning, walked a lot of batters. And so 
you know, and, and gave up some hits and some home runs. I, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I, I don't know what the future is going to be for him. And I think that the, the problem that him and some of these other guys have is that the Cubs system is getting a lot stronger and there's only 40 spots on the 40 man. So if you don't perform, somebody's going to take that spot. They're going to need someone that they can bring up and help the team out now uh, because of the injuries and everything else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And one of those good pitchers that you talked about, young pitchers, Ryan Jensen, uh, who yeah. was the Cubs' first-round pick in 2019. He throws the ball so hard in that two-seam fastball. I mean, just an amazing pitcher. Look, I, I like him a lot. And, and he, to me, can be a very good major league pitcher. Uh, he throws with velocity. Nothing is straight. Uh, I like his body build. You know, he's just kind of a really thick-legged, armed guy, big hands, you know. He throws easy. The Cubs took him out of the rotation for the Smokies, and they sent him to the development list, which I think is a brilliant idea. When guys are struggling uh, and they consider them prospects, instead of watching them struggle week after week throwing strikes, and with him it was, in my opinion, and I don't know this from them, but I just watched him pitch in double A. I'm, it's repeating his delivery, you know, like he's all over the place sometimes. And even though he's got good stuff, uh, he walks a lot of batters, too. And so they sent him to, I guess, Arizona to work on that. And then he's going to pitch today. We'll see him today. But the the, the first time back was in this series, and he looked a- absolutely awesome. It was the best I've ever seen him. He pitched two innings, uh, more compact, hit the ball, and then all of a sudden it just jumps on you at 97. The breaking ball was good, too. So I, I, I'm guessing – that if if this continues, he's someone that you could see in the major leagues sooner than later. I, I think he's also for Cubs fans someone that you should be pretty excited about. And and one of my favorite guys that you guys have down there. You haven't seen a lot of him. He got called up May tenth uh, from the South Bend Cubs. But Max Bain, uh, how's he doing? Yeah, Max has been okay. I'm still trying to find himself in this league. You know, it's it's hard to move from A ball to double A and 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 be consistent. But yeah, um, you know, he's hung he's hung in there, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll get to see more of him, and and he'll have some success. Now, speaking of success uh, in the infield, you got uh, Bryce Ball, who was acquired in the Jock Peterson trade, and after struggling last year, seems to be doing a lot better this year. What changes have you noticed with Bryce Ball? I like Bryce. Big guy, plays first base. Um, he's a great defender. I think he's a great defender. Not as good as Rizzo, but he's just a big target. He makes the plays. Uh, I, he's been kind of cold lately, but I've seen him hot as well. You know, someone asked, was asking me about him yesterday. I just like him. Look, I, I just like a big – as a guy that used to play third base, uh, obviously not in the professional ranks, but, <laughs> you know, you just want someone – just throw the ball over there and let him catch it, right? And that's what he does. You know, he's just a big target. And when he's doing his thing at the plate, he gets a lot of hits, he makes contact, and he has really good at-bats. It's He's been platooning a lot with Matt Mervis in the field. And with that, I think that it's kind of – and that's just me watching every day. I think that that's really disrupted what he's used to. I think he's, he's a guy that wants to play the field every day. He just plays better when he does, but you got two guys that you're developing and both guys are really interesting prospects. I like Mervis a lot as well. And so the way that you do it does the same that way that we saw it when Kyle Schwarber and Wilson Contreras were in the minor leagues with the Cubs is that you go back and forth. Uh, one guy will catch one, uh, one day and one guy will catch the other, you know, and then the other guy DHs. So that's pretty much the rotation that we've seen, but I like ball, you know, and, when, when he's hot, he's as tough of, his, uh, of an out as anyone I've seen. And then also drives in a lot of runs as well. He's an intimidating figure when he gets up there at 6'6". Six, six. Uh, I'm glad that the Cubs finally have some first-base prospects. You know, for years, uh, and I don't know why they did this, but it was a big criticism of mine is that you would, you would go into the season with no first baseman. You know, right. so backup catchers would play first. And you're trying to develop guys like Luis Vasquez, who's the smoky shortstop and a guy who's going to play in the big leagues just because he's great defensively, solid, makes all the plays. Uh, but it's it, you got a catcher at first base. They're not equipped to be able to help you out on the high throw uh, or, or dig the ball out. And I get it. The Cubs had Anthony Rizzo. Um, but you trade Rizzo and you have absolutely no one in your system that can come up and kind of take that next spot, you know. So um, right now there's some guys that play first base, Ball and Mervis and, you know, who knows who else. But I just feel like having that person at first base, it's an underrated defensive position, position but it's going to help everyone else on 
you know, on the infield, make their plays. And it's definitely a strength of the Smokies and the Cubs double A affiliate. Yeah, Mervis is just flying through the system. Uh, over at third base, you have Chase Strumpf, who was the 2019 second round pick. And, uh, you know, another interesting prospect high on a lot of people's list. Chase has hit for a ton of power this year. And when he was drafted, you know, the word was, hey, this is a contact guy. And I figured he would be a, a, an average hitter, you know, like a batting average hitter, not averages in like 250, but averages in like, you know, I don't know, 310 and put the ball in play. And, and the weird thing is, is that really that hasn't been him. He's been like a guy that hits a lot of home runs and, and some really long home runs and some big home runs. Um, he's hit for a lot of power and he's the cleanup batter for the Smokies uh, now, you know, as of late. So uh, I like that about him. The other thing is, and this is a big compliment, is that it's been a struggle at times in double A for Strumpf, but you wouldn't know by the way that he plays the field, whether it's been third base or second. He is really solid. And that's been one of the trademarks of this Cubs organization lately is that the guys play good defense, and he's one of them. He plays excellent second base. He's good at third. And no matter how that he struggled at the plate, his defense has stayed really consistent. Now, one thing that a lot of Cub fans like to do is kind of see, you know, the pieces that we got for the big trades when you talk about Bryant right. and Rizzo. And you have one of those in Tennessee when you when we talk about Alexander Canario, who was acquired along with Caleb Killiam in the Chris Bryant trade. Yeah. What are you seeing out of Canario so far? I like Canario. Is, is he ready for double A? No. But is he in double A? Yes. You know, and the reason I say that is the slider middle away is kryptonite to him. Uh, he's going to have to learn how to lay off of that pitch or spot it a little bit earlier. With that said, he's got power to all fields. He can run. He plays really good defense. He's got a good arm. Um, you know, the strikeouts have been up and the batting average has been low. And, you know, he doesn't walk enough for me. But you can see it there. He's he's a young kid. I, I think I was looking at it yesterday and he was born in the year 2000. You know, that's kind of funny to think of, right, that, that we're, we're calling games and the guy was born in 2000. But – um, he's, he's a great prospect. I don't think the Giants wanted to get rid of him. I, I, I think he's going to eventually contend for a spot in the Cubs outfield. And when I look at the Cubs roster right now at the major league level, I see a lot of guys that are going to be out of work because of the Cubs prospects that are heading that way. And I put Canario as a guy that eventually will figure out the slider middle away uh, and will just continue to get better. When he figures that out, you'll see him in Chicago. And then also in the outfield, you got Cole Roeder, who uh, was called up May 10th with uh, Max Bain. How's he doing so far adjusting to double-A ball? Yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I, I like Cole's. You know, I think that it will eventually come together for him. But I don't know if he's in double-A if he's not a second-round pick. You know, the, the, when they put money into you, you get promoted, right? And so he's got to grow into the spot. Right. He, he's got to put the ball in play. He's got to get some hits. He's got to walk. He's got to get on base. His defense has been good and he's a good athlete. Um, and that's the challenge. And that's not a knock on him. That's just the challenge of being someone that they invest money into. Right. That they want to see you get up there and, you know, you you're putting the, the scouting department's uh, name on the line when they sign you that early. So uh, we really haven't seen him do a whole lot yet. I mean, he's batting around 200 with no power, but that could all change in, in the blink of an eye, you know, and I don't have a big enough sample size yet to say, hey, this guy can do this or can't do this. Uh, I just know by looking at his numbers from the, you know, the, the South Bend team and where he is right now, that they're just moving him up the ladder and he's going to eventually have to do the thing that they want to see him do or, um, you know, or he's going to be stuck. So hopefully that, that happens sometime soon. I got to tell you, Mick, one of the joys I would always get from spring training was listening to you and Len call a game because Len Casper, because it just seemed like the two of you were having so much fun. Do you still keep in touch with Len Casper at all? Yeah, I love Len. I enjoy doing those games. Um, you know, it, I, I miss the webcast. I think a lot of you guys miss the webcast as well. And I, I don't, honestly, I don't even know why we don't do the webcast anymore. I mean, it was special that the Cubs would get every single game on the radio for you guys to listen to, whether it would be, uh, well, you know, whether it be Pat and Ron doing their games on the score or us doing them on the webcast. But um, you know, things changed when Marquee came and, um, you know, and hopefully everybody has Marquee now and eventually maybe we can do the webcast again, too. So because they don't cover all the games, but it was just fun, like kind of following every single Cubs player 
throughout the entire spring training process. And the, the thing about Cubs fans is that they care a lot about knowing like what we're doing right now. Hey, you know, who's this guy and who's that guy? It goes back to when I was a kid and I would watch, you know, uh, WGN with Harry and Steve and you'd hear Harry talking about it, you know, like almost kind of making jokes about like who's the next Cubs prospect. But we've been talking about guys for a long time. I remember uh, Harry and those guys telling us that this guy named Greg Maddox was going to be pretty good or uh, Mark Grace or Damon Barry Hill, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I really miss doing the webcast and I do keep up with Len uh, a lot. You know, I mean, I don't talk to him every day anymore, but um, you know, I definitely uh, love Len and, and honestly, I, you know, I like what they're doing now too. You know, Len moved on to the White Sox and, uh, you know, for a lot of us, that's kind of like enemy territory. So we've had to kind of, you know, move on with, uh, you know, with with the, the next guy and, and the next guy's really good, too. And that's Boog Shambi. And, um, you know, and so the Cubs did a good, you know, they got a good guy there as well. Now, for Cub fans who have never been to see a Tennessee Smokey game down in Smokey Stadium, talk to me about it. Why, why, why would people want to go to see the Tennessee Smokies? What's what's going on down there? Well, it's America's friendliest ballpark. And, and they take that, you know, seriously. Like our owner is uh, Randy Boyd. He's also the president at the University of Tennessee. He's just a great person. And so the attitude there is they just want you to have a, you know, really enjoyable experience. And, um, and so I, it's, it's a special place in, in that aspect. Um, you know, the price of things is a lot less than you would pay at a big league park like Wrigley. So, it, you know, it's it's I guess for folks that, you know, are, are on a different kind of budget, it's it's uh, way more affordable as well. But the other part of it is that because you don't have like the draw of the players and, you know, believe it or not, if it's not Chris Bryan or Javi Baez, um, if it's not a major mega prospect, people really don't care who's in the uniform. They're there to see what's going on in between innings. Uh, they're ready to get a beer special or, you know, some kind of uh, promotion. Like we're having uh, – got my Grateful Dead four-peak shirt on. I got this Ooh. in spring training. But we're, we're having a Grateful Dead night on July 16th and uh, special Grateful Dead-themed jerseys and a band that's playing and, you know, this really cool poster and all that. Uh, we've got uh, this week, if you remember the movie, um, the, the Rookie of the Year, remember Henry Rowan Gardner? Like he's going to be there Saturday. It's his bobble de- bobblehead and arm day. And then uh, he'll sign autographs and do all of that stuff too, you know? So um, it, it, it's, it's more theme based than it is like based on the, the games themselves just because of the nature of it. But I, it's a great stadium. Uh, the people are nice. And then the, the guys, our team plays baseball the right way they play really hard and they're fun to watch uh and this is kind of something that started last year there were some years where i felt like the cubs organization not only did they not win a lot of games but the effort just wasn't there and it was hard for someone that's a veteran like me and part of you know part of what makes me me is I've been doing this long enough where I can tell you what I really think. You know, I don't, I don't have to, no one's coming into my booth and saying, Hey, I, I need you to do this or need you to do that. You know, I just try to tell it like it is. And there was some years where it was really disappointing to see where the Cubs minor league system was and the effort that you would get every day. And that stopped last year. I got to tell you last year, even though they didn't win a lot of games, you saw a lot of really young prospects that were playing the game the right way that gave a crap and went out there and busted their tail. They didn't win, but they played hard. And then that kind of has continued this year. Uh, so I give Jed Hoyer a lot of credit and, and, and his people on where they're taking the organization because it, it, it needed a good wash and it's gotten it. And so you're going to get to see that as well if you come down. So maybe get a bobblehead doll, maybe drink a beer, uh, get a good beer special going. And, and, you know, you're not, you're not paying, you know, your entire week's check to do it. Yeah. You got taco Tuesdays, all you can eat Wednesdays <laughs> and thirsty Thursdays. Yeah. I don't need much more Mick. Plus the Brennan mm-hmm. Davids bobblehead on August 14th. Mick, I really appreciate you jumping on for anyone that wants to kind of follow you. Where would be the best place to check out your stuff? Yeah, look, I'm on Twitter, although I'm not there a whole lot. Like, I, I'm not a huge Twitter guy. I just, I'm not, but I'm on there at Broadcaster Mick. Uh, but yeah, you can check us out uh, 
at SmokiesBaseball.com. Every single game is on there and on the Sports Animal in Knoxville. We're on probably the best uh, sports station in minor leagues. It has to be because it's a big-time station, and we're on every single night. People listen to our broadcast, so we're pretty proud of that. Um, and if you listen to our games, you know what? I can't, I, I'm not going to have Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, or anybody that you probably ever heard of before, but we're going to have a good time. And I promise you, you're going to be entertained. We're, we're an old school, you know, Jack Buck, Harry Carey, um, you know, Ernie Harwell type of call. So it's a lot different than what you got today uh, at the major league level in some markets. But I promise you, you're going to have a good time if you check us out. I appreciate you joining the Fly the W podcast, Mick. And as a fellow Cub fan and deadhead, I wish you well. And we will do this again in the future. And look, I'm going to be at Wrigley for the, the, the dead shows next weekend. So if you oh, see me out company. there, yeah, I'm going to be there at Wrigley. It's a, it's a bucket list thing. If you see me, buy me an IPA or, you know, maybe hook me up some way, but I'm going to be near the stage. So uh, anybody that's going to be there, we'll be flying the W and uh, also, uh, you know, flying the, uh, the, the steal your face logo. Hey, it, great to talk to you, man. Love it. Take care, Mick. All right. See you now. You're listening to... Fly the W podcast. This is season one. It is episode eight. We are calling this one the law of averages. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw show on 670 The Score. Of course, your radio home for Cubs baseball. My guy Crowley is with me each and every week. We've got new hours. We've added an hour to the Mully and Haw show. We are now live from 530 to 10. And if you like what you're hearing from me, you can get more of me between 5 and 530. I'm hoping Crowley will maybe text. He'll set an alarm. He's on summer break right now so he's living the uh, lake life and living the cub life so i don't know if he's going to be up at 4 35 and o'clock in the morning anytime soon but earlier today on monday in our brand new hour the nine o'clock hour we had a chance to talk to jed hoyer the president of baseball operations and he had a comment that i thought would be really interesting for crowley and i to go over and we wanted to you guys if you didn't hear it on 670 to score we wanted you guys to be able to hear it what is your message to to the fans and to the season ticket holders? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I kind of alluded to it earlier in the in the interview, but you know, I, that's something that I don't ever have concerns about is uh, is the resources. You know, I know that I know they'll be there uh, when, when the time is right. If you go back to, I think we've spent a lot of this interview talking about you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and you know if you go back and look at where our payrolls were during those years, um, they weren't they weren't that high. Um, and then, you know, when we were sort of in, in, in the window to, to, to win, we were a luxury taxpayer and we, and we spent a ton of money on everything, both players on the field and obviously, you know, trading prospects to get more players. We were really aggressive. So that's not something that I, that I have you know, concerns about. I think that, you know, it's really important to, you know, we talk about the two types of currency that kind of rule the game and you have financial currency and you have um, prospect currency, and it's really important to be uh, as healthy as possible in both. And you know, you know, I know our, our the prospect health is, um, is is certainly improving and on the way to being really strong. And and I think from a from a uh, financial currency, and uh, you know, that's that's something that I I feel really strongly about as well. I think making sure that we have um, the you know, the amount of money that we need to be really successful, and I, that's something that I, I never really think about. I know that the money will be there. Um, when the time is right to to be aggressive again. So that is Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer. He was on with Mullion Haw Monday. The podcast is out there if you want to check that out. But I thought I was a big Cubs fan until I met Crowley. So I'll give you my reaction to that in a second. Crowley, so your reaction about prospect currency and real currency, do you believe that the currency will be available to Jed. And as one of, if not the biggest Cubs fan I've ever met, your reaction to that, you're the fan. We asked for his message to the fans. How do you feel after hearing that cut? eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. 
brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It, it, there's no surprise here. It's it's what we talked about in season one episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Code 7, rebuild with a capital R. That's what we're doing. They just haven't said it. It's the same playbook that they used. Uh, the last time around, the only difference I see is that the farm system, it wasn't as barren. So I don't think it's going, remember we were talking 2011, 12, 13, 14, before the team was able to compete again. You're talking about four or five seasons where I, I think this is going to be next year. I think you're going to see them spend. I think what they're doing right now is identifying the prospects that are going to best help this team and very similar to the first rebuild. Okay. We got a first baseman in Rizzo. This Chris Bryant's going to be our third baseman. You, you, you figure out what you have and then you go out to free agency and you make your splash and sign some high price tickets, uh, high price talent to supplement what you already have your cornerstones. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. They just haven't said it in as many words. So uh, that's exactly what I expected them to do. You're not going to sit there and let's say you signed uh, Carlos Correa this last off season. Was that going to make this team a winning team? Probably not. So the when you sign those big long-term contracts, the first couple of years is when you get the most bang for your buck. And then on the back end of the deal, that's when it looks not as good. You know, think about John Lester, right? And all in 2015, when they signed John Lester, all of a sudden, yeah, we're ready to compete. In those first three years of that contract, you went to the NLCS three times, okay? That's what you do, but you don't want to sit there and sign somebody and waste two or three years of that contract, and then when the team's finally really good, they're not the same player that you originally signed, and that's when we get frustrated as fans as, oh, why is Soriano still playing, or why is Hayward still playing? Well, because that contract's a long time, and you're paying them a lot of money. Right. So I guess Cub fans, if you're going out to the games, if you're buying gear, if you're eating a hot dog, if you're having a, a Bud Light or whatever other kind of beer you want to have at Wrigley Field, remember that you are helping pay for the future. Okay. And you're also paying for the past. Um, sometimes when you have these um, great seasons and the Cubs had great seasons, remember they had been to the playoffs a very, very, very few times. And they were in the playoffs multiple times in the last handful of years. And I'm as greedy as anybody. Now that they're winning, you, you want them to keep winning. But as we look at the guys that, if you want to say, got away that they traded or that they didn't sign, I mean, other than Rizzo, and Rizzo is in absolutely the perfect spot. He landed in the perfect spot, and he's doing a heck of a job. But would you want Chris Bryant sitting on the bench with a balky back? The worst hitter in baseball right now, the worst hitter in baseball is Javi Baez. And then we've got we've got um, Schwarber, if you consider him part of the core and one of those guys. He is typical Schwarber, highs and lows, highs and lows. I, I would be fine with Schwarber as the DH right now and playing a couple days in left field. That, that would be fun for the fans. But I am willing, I am still willing to give them some, some rope. I, I'm willing to give them one more year. Um, but I think about what you just said there, Crowley, about if you had Carlos Correa, you know, how big of a window does Carlos Correa have? Is it a five-year window? Is it a three-year window? Because when you sign Carlos Correa, it's going to be eight or 10 years. And the last two years are probably not going to be very good. See Jason Hayward. So can you get up to speed? Can you buy it? And then if you were to buy it, who on the current, the current group of guys, who are who's staying, who's going? Who who could be part of that? Is it Schwindel? Is it Wisdom? You know, is it Suzuki? You know, how good is Suzuki? Got really hot. They figured him out, and now it's taken him forever to figure out what to do with a ring finger. 
they're flying him out to Arizona to get into baseball operations and, and get a bat again going. I mean, why does he have to go to Arizona about that? That's not even what we're talking about right now. But I am willing, this Cubs fan, I am willing to give Jed and his team another year. But if they lose 100 games this year, which I hope they don't, I don't, I don't think I'm ready for two 100-loss seasons back-to-back unless they get lucky enough that they get like the number one or number two pick and the kid that they get is just unbelievable, can't miss, and has Chris Bryant written all over him again. Yeah, and and that, that'll – Pitching takes a long time to develop. We're seeing that now with, with Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele. I feel like that they have focused on the pitching infrastructure, and you're starting to see the returns of that just now. Unfortunately, for the last court, it's a couple of years too late. Uh, but with the future coming up, I'm really, really hoping that they can. it all really boils down to player development. And that's what you see with the Cardinals, with the Dodgers, with the teams that are really just always good every year. It's player development, and that's what they need more than anything. And there's no one doing it better than the Dodgers right now. The Dodgers for the Cubs are the model organization to look at because similar, you know, large market team, uh, they have a good fan base that spends a lot of money. So that's what we should be seeing. We should we should have this player development system is the key so that you can let guys go and say, okay, we're, we lost a Javi Baez, but let's say a Christian Hernandez who's in the Cubs system or an Ed Hauer should have been ready to just step into that role, and that didn't happen. So the hope is, is that ideally this time around, once they're ready to compete again, they, they, I, I do believe they will spend the resources. I don't think of, you know, there's a lot of comparisons between the, you know, the, the Ricketts and the McCaskies. I don't think the Ricketts are like the McCaskies. I truly believe that the Ricketts will spend when, when the time is right. It's so that's where we are right now. All right, Crawley, it's a new week. So we've got a new series to take a look at. The Cubs are leaving town. They have headed east. They are in Pittsburgh. They are taking on the Pirates, who have been playing okay, probably better than expected. The Pirates are calling up their number one prospect to put it shortstop. Their local guy made good, hit three home runs on Father's Day, including including a walk-off. Game one is later on tonight, and we get Caleb Killian throwing tonight. Now, his last outing, he wasn't very good, but... We did hear Tommy Hadovy tell Mully and Haw that he was excited to be able to have a full week now with Caleb. It looks like the plan is to keep Caleb in the rotation. So I'm excited to see how Caleb comes out of a bad start, having time to be with Tommy Hadovy and his pitching staff and the other starting pitchers and bullpen guys with experience and what he looks like tonight. Yeah, it's it, you have the Cubs and Pirates both two and eight in their last ten games, um, and the Pirates are two games in front of the Cubs. And just from a fan and a mental standpoint, it just is painful to see the Pittsburgh Pirates ahead of you. So hopefully the Cubs can do some damage here and hop in front of the Pirates. Um, I am interested in seeing Caleb Killian and see what he does. He did really well against the Cardinals struggled uh, in his last start. So I hope against San Diego, and again, a lot of the Cubs pitchers really didn't do well against San Diego. So as you spoke about with, with uh, Tommy Hadovy having a chance to really kind of spend some time with them, let's see what adjustments they make. They have to play, face JT Brubaker. Uh, Brubaker has looked pretty good the last two starts. He faced the Cardinals. Uh, and, uh, he faced uh, the Braves on 6-9 and the Cardinals on 6-14. He went uh, seven innings against the Braves and gave up three runs. And against the Cardinals, he went uh, about uh, 5.1 innings and gave up two earned runs. But uh, hopefully the Cubs were able to do something against him. When you look at Brubaker, you got a couple guys that have seen him a few times. Ian Happ looks really good against him. 16 at-bats, bats 313. Rafael Ortega, 429 and 7 at-bats. And Jonathan Villar is batting 571 and 7 at-bats against Brubaker. So... I think every one of these games, the Cubs have a chance to win. It's just getting it done and making sure that the pitching looks good and hitting with runners in scoring position. So the number one thing I'm looking for in this game is Caleb Killian 
cutting back on the walks. And that brings us into the game two starter, Matt Schwarmer. So his last outing, he had a handful of walks himself. So game two, Matt Schwarmer. Um, what are you hoping to see out of Schwarmer in that game? Right now, the Pirates have not named a starting pitcher. Yeah, the Yankees, obviously, we remember that. Was it six whole, solo home runs on that one? And, and uh, San Diego, he only went 3.2 innings. So I just want to see what Matt does against a team like the Pirates. When we talk about the Padres and the Yankees, those are, those are the cream of the crop. The Pirates are definitely not. So is he able to, to settle down a little bit and give you a little bit of length? I'd like to see him go six innings is my goal and hopefully you know keep the runs down to less than three, hopefully. So game three, we're going to have Keegan Thompson, and what we're looking for in this one is a continued success. We'd like to see him put two good starts together after having two not-so-good starts. Um, he was struggled against the Orioles, struggled against the Yankees, had the nice bounce back against the Braves on Friday that we talked about earlier in this podcast. So I'm looking for Keegan to have two good starts in a row. Absolutely. It's the Thompson twins going, right? Keegan versus Zach Thompson in game three. And uh, like you said, against Atlanta and New York, no good, but the big bounce back against Atlanta. So hopefully they can keep it going. Uh, Zach Thompson, he against the Atlanta Braves we just faced, he pitched uh, 6-11. He went five innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs. And against the Giants on 6-17, went 4.1 innings pitched, four hits, two runs. So he hasn't been giving up a lot of runs, but hopefully the Cubs can get to him uh, you know, not a lot of huge samples here. Wilson Contreras has faced him six times. He's hitting 667, so not bad there. But, the uh, you know, not a lot of other Cubs are having too good luck against him or even seen him that often. So, you know, up, up to Keegan to have another good game like he just had, and hopefully the Cubs will pull that one out. And then game four, Crowley, your favorite, these four-game series. It's an early start before noon, our time here in Chicago. Justin Steele, Jose Quintana. I don't know if the Cubs' current roster has a bunch of guys with uh, a bad taste in their mouth when Jose was throwing for the Cubs, but it goes down for me as one of the worst all-time trades in recent memory. So I would love nothing more than the Cubs to absolutely pound Quintana on Thursday afternoon. You would hope, but every time we face Quintana, it seems like that's the guy we were hoping for in the trade as he keeps shutting the Cubs down. Uh, Jose against the uh, Braves on 6-12 went five innings pitch, six hit four runs. And on 6-18 versus San Fran, he went five innings pitch, five hits, three runs. So it's what you kind of expect against Jose Quintana. Uh, but the Cubs don't really have a lot of experience against him. Jan Gomes does, but he's batting 143 against Jose Quintana. Other than that, uh, Jonathan Villar is your best bet with uh, 16 at-bats, hitting 313 against Q. So uh, it's it. none of these pitchers are guys that scare you. And so we're seeing now that, that four of the Cubs, the future that we talk about, when you talk about seeing Caleb Killiam and Matt Swarmer and Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, this is a matchup that's a really good test for them because they're not going to be overwhelmed by Pirates hitting. It's not like they should be getting crushed here. So this is an opportunity, you know, when you face New York or when you face Atlanta or even San Diego, those are tough lineups to get through. They kind of, you roll around and you're just kind of trying to figure out as a young pitcher when you can take a break, you know what I mean? Not a break, but a breath against, you know, where, when you face the Yankees, it seems like every hitter could put one out of the park at any time. And that's really tough. You just can't lighten up all against any of those guys. Whereas with the Pirates, I think you have more of an opportunity to kind of not have to pitch all those high stress innings against very, very good hitters. All right, quickly, Crowley, it's prediction time. Now, at the bare minimum, and I think this is going to, I'm going to speak for you for a second. And of course you can have your say in a moment, it, two and two worst case scenario. If, if they lose this series, there will be strong words on episode nine, which we will probably put down after the fourth game on Thursday. So I am going to say, I am still going to be glass half full Dustin right now. I'm going to say the Cubs take three or four. If they don't win at least two, there is going to be language on this podcast. Crowley, where are you going with this four game series? I, I told you, I hate even game series. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in all of baseball. I think it's going to be a split because that's normally how four game series works. 
So that, I, I don't think it's anything against the Pirates or the Cubs. I just hate four-game series, and every time I see them, I just anticipate split. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping – what I'm really more really hoping for is watching these young pitchers, and hopefully all four of them have great starts. And th th in a rebuild season like this, I always want wins. You never want to lose, but it's just about the development. I'm so looking forward to seeing for four days in a row, these are pitchers that are really – I believe part of the next great Cubs team. So I want to see them have really great starts. And if that happens, you can potentially win three games. I just know how tough it is in those even game series. Well, that's a wrap for season one, episode eight. We called this one, the law of averages. We will be back with you later in the week with a complete wrap up of Cubs pirates. So till next time, hopefully the Cubs will fly the W and please follow us on all our socials, whether it's on Facebook, fly the W Twitter or Instagram at fly the W six seventy and our new email address, fly the W six seventy at gmail.com.